We say together, we light this beacon of hope, sign for our quest for truth and meaning in celebration of the life we share together. Our invocation this morning is by Sweet Home Teacup. May we recognize and abandon the familiar attitudes and practices that do not serve the whole. We are who we are, and we have the opportunity to be who we want to be, to create a new inheritance for the future. May our thoughts, words, and actions in our daily lives assist in dismantling paradigms of oppression and suffering. May we give thanks for our individual place and time and space to our families and our relationships that touch and change us. May we give thanks to the wise teachers who help us remember how to be and the, chain, and the chance to make it all so. Underneath and within these stories and histories is our humanity. Being human means we are of this earth. We are of this water. We are fire and atmosphere. We are the sun and the moon and the stars. We are all that we see, and the wisdom is revealed by looking in between. We say together our covenant, love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Good morning and welcome to Hope Unitarian Church. My name is Yadini Hailu. I am the intern minister here for the next beautiful month. And uh, today I want to welcome you all to our Easter Earth Day service. It's a combo. It is Easter today, which is the Christian story of hope, new life, and the continued resistance to oppression. It's also the day, the day before Earth Day, when we reconnect to the material and magical world around us. On Easter, some remember Jesus, who, like a seed, planted hope in his community. And Easter is a day to celebrate the fruits. We will weave these themes by continuing our tradition started last year of recognizing Earth Day by celebrating the magical, important, and powerful practice, both pagan and indigenous, of recognizing the four directions here on our altar. We will take a journey around the circle of the altar and share imagery, practices, songs, readings, ideas, and support one another through worship today. Take a breath and join me as we begin here in the east. The east is literally this way. The east is the direction from which the sun rises. It symbolizes beginnings, the new and inspiration. Let us take in a breath together. Let us take in inspiration for the spaciousness the east invites us into. The first reading is a reflection on something uh, many of us first heard about in the 80s called the Gaia concept. It's a growing understanding of the earth as a one living organism. These are the thoughts of Dana Capasso on the butterfly effect. The delicate flapping wings of a butterfly have the power to set molecules of air in motion in turn moving more molecules of air, a tiny act that is eventually capable of affecting weather patterns on the other side of the planet. This notion comes from a concept within chaos theory called the butterfly effect. Simply, the butterfly effect refers to a phenomenon in our world in which a small change in one place 
can result in equal or greater changes elsewhere. This may seem crazy, a tiny butterfly changing global weather patterns. Not only is the butterfly effect a real scientific theory, but it's also an intriguing philosophical idea. I say all this because the butterfly effect affects the way I live my life and the decisions that I make in a way that no ideas about God ever have. I'm no meteorologist, nor am I well-versed in etymology. But ever since learning about the butterfly effect, I have been attracted to it because it demonstrates an important principle that is often forgotten. Namely, each of our actions has effects that are more profound than we think. Interconnection is a major theme found in nearly all the world's religious and philosophical traditions. The interconnectedness of our universe is also one of the most significant revelations of physics. All components of matter are interconnected, interrelated, and interdependent. As Unitarian Universalists, we affirm and promote our responsibility to remain aware of interconnection through our seventh principle, respect for the independent web of all existence. Attention to interconnectivity reminds me, despite the many socio-political forces that work to divide us from one another, that I'm never alone in this world. It reminds me that each decision or action I make has reactions, and that those reactions reverberate as waves moving back and forth across our globe. This compels me to live my life aware of the consequences of my daily actions, from the purchases I make to personal interactions with others. I certainly do not always succeed. My awareness of interconnectivity and efforts to work against the illusion of division remain my most significant spiritual practice. This spiritual practice also gives me the ability to stand in awe of interconnection, in awe of the butterfly effect and the power that comes with it. On rare occasions, I am reminded to stop and appreciate the divinity of interconnectivity revealed before my very eyes. This, to me, is awe-inspiring. This, to me, is divine. We are each incredibly important, vital and a miraculous thing to share space with. We will now listen to a song written and arranged by Yusei Barnwell from Sweet Honey and the Rock. It is in our teal hymnal, but today it is performed for us by the Northern Light Chorale.
Buddhists, follow eight rules of life or precepts. In brief, the first precept is a rule of abstinence from taking life. Thich Nhat Hanh, Vietnamese Buddhist monk and teacher, expands his own commitment to include specifics, highlighting our deeply entwined daily life and society in the modern world. Here's an excerpt of his translation of this precept and his teachings. Aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I undertake to cultivate compassion and learn ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I am determined not to kill, not to let others kill, and not to condone any act of killing in the world, in my thinking, and in my way of life. So these are his teachings around that translation. Life is precious. It is everywhere, inside us and all around us. It has so many forms. The first precept is born from the awareness that lives everywhere are being destroyed. We see the suffering caused by the destruction of life, and we undertake to cultivate compassion and use it as a source of energy for the protection of people, animals, plants, and minerals. The first precept is a precept of compassion, karuna, the Pali and Sanskrit word for compassion, the ability to remove suffering and transform it. When we see suffering, compassion is born in us. Feeling compassion is not enough. We have to learn to express it. That is why love must go together with understanding. Understanding and insight show us how to act. Our real enemy is forgetfulness. If we nourish mindfulness every day and water the seeds of peace in ourselves and those around us, we become alive and we can help ourselves and other re others realize peace and compassion. Life is so precious, yet in our daily lives, we are usually carried away by our forgetfulness, anger and worries lost in the past, unable to touch life in the present moment. When we are truly alive, everything we do or touch is a miracle. To practice mindfulness is to return to life in the present moment. The practice of the first precept is a celebration of reverence for life. When we appreciate and honor the beauty of life, we will do everything in our power to protect all life. Now with the jubilance of the wind in the trees, let us rise in body or spirit and sing him We Give Thanks.
seated. To Build a Swing by Sophie Poet Hafiz and translated by Daniel Odinsky. You carry all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Don't mix them. You have all the genius to build a swing in your backyard for God. That sounds like a whole hell of a lot more fun to me. Let's start laughing, drawing blueprints, gathering our talented friends. I will help you with my divine lyre and drum. Hafiz will sing a thousand words you can take into your hands, like golden saws, silver hammers, polished teakwood, strong silk rope. You carry all the ingredients to turn your existence into joy. Mix them. Mix them. Our next reading, now you can hear me. Okay, our next reading is by Nelson Mandela in his autobiography, Long Walk to Freedom. It's from the chapter, Robin Island, Beginning to Hope. To survive in prison, one must develop ways to take satisfaction in one's daily life. One can feel fulfilled by washing one's clothes so they are particularly clean, by sweeping a hallway so that it is empty of dust, by organizing one's cell to conserve as much space as possible, the same pride one takes in more consequential tasks outside of prison can find, one can find in doing small things inside. Almost from the beginning of my sentence at Robben Island, I asked the authorities for permission to start a garden in the courtyard, and for years they refused without offering a reason. But eventually, they relented, and we were able to cut out a small garden on a narrow patch of earth against the far wall. The soil in the courtyard was rocky and dry. The courtyard had been constructed over a landfill, and in order to start my garden, I had to excavate a great many rocks to allow the plants room to grow. At the time, some of my comrades jested that I was a miner at heart, for I spent days at the quarry and my free time digging in the courtyard. The authorities supplied me with seeds. I initially planted tomatoes, chilies, and onions, hardy plants, that did not require rich earth or constant care. The early harvests were poor, but they soon improved. The authorities did not regret giving permission, for once the garden began to flourish, I often, often provided the warders with some of my best tomatoes and onions. A garden was one of the few things in prison that one could control. To plant a seed, to watch it grow, to tend it and then harvest it, offered a simple but enduring satisfaction. The sense of being a custodian of this small patch of earth offered a small taste of freedom. In some ways, I saw the garden as a metaphor for certain aspects of my life. 
a leader must also tend their garden. They too plant seeds and then watch, cultivate, and harvest the result. Like the gardener, a leader must take responsibility for what they cultivate. They must mind their work, try to repel enemies, preserve what can be preserved, and eliminate what cannot succeed. Please rise in body or spirit as we prepare for prayer by singing Circle Round for Freedom. We'll sing it twice together. This prayer and meditation is titled The Peace Not Past Understanding by Gary Kowalski. We pray for the peace not past understanding, the peace of children laughing and students quietly studying, of young women dancing and men flirting beneath the stars, the peace not past understanding, where no gunfire disrupts the night where girls can walk downtown and not be afraid, where boys can turn 18 and never register, where voices of hatred and intolerance find no hearing in the public square, the peace of decisions democratically determined, where opportunities for a decent life are equitably shared, not the peace of gated communities, the false security of padlocked doors or walled borders, but the peace that reigns when people come together to solve their problems. In a world where national boundaries are rapidly falling away, we pray for peace in this world, here and now. Not for deliverance in the sweet hereafter, but for the kind of promised land foretold by prophets of old. A land of milk and honey, Real milk, real honey, no GMOs or bovine growth hormone, but certified organic and pesticide-free, where swords are beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, retooling the economy from military to civilian manufacture, where justice roll down like waters unpolluted by urban runoff, and each shall labor beneath their own vine and fig tree on small family-owned farms, not as underpaid minions of corporate agribusiness. Proclaiming liberty to the captives of the prison industrial complex, bringing the oil of gladness instead of dependence on Middle Eastern crude and where a young child shall lead them. Not withered old men, but young, unencumbered by ancient animosities, a rising generation in an emerging planetary culture. Good God, remind us of your vision for us. Your promise of a peace not far off, but close at hand. Not a mere dream, 
but a better future waiting to be made real, when people will build houses and live to inhabit them, plant trees and eat their fruit, and none shall hurt or destroy. Amen. towards hope. We are fueled by our abundance and curiosity in the East, our willingness to do something with what we have in the South, and we will move now to the West, which is symbolized by water. Those over there, symbolized by water. Fluid force, emotions that can overwhelm or bring life, sustaining relief. Again, we are given options of what to do with what we already have within us. How we can learn from the West and learn from water and find skills to sustain us and the earth. The West is where the day transitions into night. So how can we be sustainable and well prepared for many fortified endings that lead to bright beginnings again? Sustainability, leadership, 
responsibility. Let us continue with the wheel. Loosen, loosen, baby. You don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby. You don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Holy breath and holy name. Will you ease, will you ease this pain? Holy breath. And holy name, will you ease, will you ease this pain? Loosen, loosen, baby, and you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby, and you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. You let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby, and you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. You let go, let go. Nichols is a, a life coach and has this analogy around service and leadership that I really like. And I heard it first from Reverend Carol Sissel at Finding Our Way Home, which is the annual conference for religious professionals of color and Unitarian Universalism. And Lisa and Carol describe service as you are a cup. You are a cup giving to people, and ideally, a cup enjoys its purpose of giving liquid to persons who want it. And so service inherently does feel good. Think of a time when you've been able to help a friend or a child or anyone, and it just felt good to be there for them. It feels good to be there usually. However, Lisa says there are times when you're giving from empty, when you're giving from bone dry empty, and you know you're giving from bone dry empty because it feels horrible. You're tired, you're annoyed, perhaps you're angry already that someone's asking again something, a, a committee again. No, I can't help. You already feel agitated, it's because you're giving from empty. So there are skills that we can actually learn from um, this awareness. It's not that, oh, I'm sorry, you are just now a jerk and forever shall never enjoy service ever again. You've wasted your life. No, that's not at all the situation, because there's actually abundance. And if you continue to pour into yourself, not just from yourself, but from other sources, things that inspire you, certain shows or books, hanging out with friends, going to restaurants you enjoy, gardening, you can fill yourself up. And with a full cup, now you could give now, 
But Lisa and Reverend Carol both encourage you to just keep pouring into yourself until you overflow and to give from your saucer, to just keep pouring until your saucer is what's overflowing. You're giving from this much abundance. Don't worry, it's water. (laughs) I was like, sacrifices must be made today. (laughs) What if we lived with such radical abundance that we were so willing to love on ourselves ensure that it would spill out into the community and it would feel good that we did that we continue to sow seeds into ourselves so that we are healthy full participants with all of society we've got to be a healthy me before we can be a healthy we so i encourage you to remember this analogy and pour some water into a cup if you need to practice it yourself and slosh it around the kitchen Today we are giving our offering plate. Every month, Hope gives its offering plate to an organization in the community. And this month, we are giving to Reading Partners. What a joyous and beautiful cause. Please give generously. We say our offering response together. We build on foundations we did not lay. We warm ourselves at fires we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We profit from wells we did not We profit from persons we did not know. We are ever bound in community. Please rise in body or spirit as we sing this pretty planet. We will sing it three times.
You may be seated. We have gone through the East in inspiration, the South with passion, the West with a commitment to sustainability, and now we land back around. Here is the North with this green plant. The direction of tangible truth, purpose, and action. The North is symbolized by the earth and the fruits of our seeds from all the other directions will be made more evident by our actions, what we actually do. Our lives are our platform. We will learn from Ron Finley of Los Angeles and how he and others integrated their inspiration, their passion, and their collaboration. Let's watch. I live in South Central. This is South Central. Liquor stores, fast food, vacant lots. So the city planners, they get together, they figure they're gonna change the name South Central to make it represent something else. So they change it to South Los Angeles. Like this is gonna fix what's really going wrong in the city. (laughs) This is South Los Angeles. (laughs) Liquor stores, fast food, vacant lots. Just like 26.5 million other Americans, I live in a food desert. South Central Los Angeles, home of the drive-thru and the drive-by. Funny thing is, the drive-thrus are killing more people than the drive-by. People are dying from curable diseases in South Central Los Angeles. For instance, the obesity rate in my neighborhood is like five times higher than, say, Beverly Hills, which is like probably eight, ten miles away. I got, I got tired of, of, of seeing this happening. And I, I want to ask, how would you feel if you had no access to healthy food? If every time you walk out your door, you see the ill effects that the present food system have on your neighborhood? I see, I see wheelchairs bought and sold like used cars. I see dialysis centers popping up like Starbucks. And I figured, <laughs> this has to stop. <laughs> so so I, I, I figured that the, the problem is the solution. Food is the problem, and food is the solution. Plus, I got tired of driving 45 minutes round trip to get an apple that wasn't impregnated with pesticides. So what I did, I planted a food forest in front of my house. It's on a strip of land that we call a parkway. It's like 150 feet by like 10 feet. The thing is, it's owned by the city, but you have to maintain it. So I'm like, cool. I do whatever the hell I want. Since, I, since it's my responsibility and I got to maintain it, this is how I decided to maintain it. So me and my group, LA Green Grounds, we got together and we started planting my food for us. Fruit trees, you know, the whole nine for vegetables. What we do, we're, we're a pay-it-forward kind of group where it's composed of, like, gardeners from all walks of life from all over the city, and it's completely volunteer, and everything we do is free. And, and the garden, it was beautiful. And then somebody complained. The city came down on me. <laughs> and, they, and basically gave me a citation saying that I had to remove my garden, which this citation would turn into a warrant. And I'm like, come on, really? A warrant for planting food on a, on a piece of land that you could care less about? <laughs> and I was like, cool, bring it. Because this time it wasn't coming up. So L.A. Times got, got hold of it. Steve Lopez did a story on it and, and um, talked to the councilman. And one of the Green Grounds members, they put up a, a petition on change.org. And with 900 signatures, we were a success. We had a victory on our hands. The, my councilman even called and, uh, and said how they endorse and love what we're doing. I mean, come on, why wouldn't they? L.A. leads the United States in vacant lots that the city actually owns. They own 26 square miles of vacant lots. That's 20 central parks. 
that's enough space to plant 700 million, <laughs> 725 million tomato plants. Why in the hell would they not okay this? Growing one plant will give you 1,000, 10,000 seeds. Okay. When $1 worth of, of green beans will give you like $75 worth of produce. It's like my, it's my gospel. I'm telling people, grow your own food. Growing your own food is like printing your own money. I read, thank you. See, I have a legacy in South Central. I, I, I grew up there. I raised my sons there. And I refuse to be a, a part of this manufactured reality that was manufactured for me by some other people, and I'm manufacturing my own reality. See, I'm an artist. Gardening is my graffiti. I grow my art. Just like a graffiti artist, where they beautify walls, me, I beautify lines, parkways. I, I, I use the garden, the soil, like it's a, a piece of cloth. And the, and the plants and the, and the trees, that, that's my embellishment for that cloth. You'd be surprised what, 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 what uh, the soil could do if you let it be your canvas. You just couldn't imagine how amazing a sunflower is and how it affects people. So what, what, what happened? I, I have witnessed my garden become a tool for the education, a tool for the transformation of my neighborhood. To change the community, you have to change the composition of the soil. We are the soil. You'd be surprised how kids are affected by this. Gardening is the most therapeutic and defiant act you can do especially in the inner city. Plus, you get strawberries. <laughs> I remember this time, um, there was this mother and a daughter came. They, you know, they were, they were, it was like 10.30 at night, and they were in my yard. And um, I came out, and they looked so ashamed. You know, and I saw them like, man, they, they, it made me feel bad that they were there. And I told them, you know, you don't have to do this like this. This is on the street for a reason. Um, it, it made me feel ashamed to see people that was this close to me that was hungry. And this, this, only, this only reinforced why I do this. And people were asking, Finn, aren't you free, afraid people are going to steal your food? And I'm like, hell no, I ain't afraid they're going to steal it. That's why it's on the street. <laughs> That's the whole idea. I want them to take it, but in the same time, I want them to take back their health. There's, there's another time when, when I, put a, I, put this, uh, I put a garden in this homeless shelter in downtown Los Angeles. The guys, they helped me unload the truck. It was cool. They, and, and they just shared the stories about how th this affected them and how they used to plant with their mother and their grandmother. And it was just, it was just cool to see how this, how this changed them if it was only for that, for that one moment. So Green Grounds has gone on to plant maybe like 20 gardens. We've had like people, like 50 people come to our dig-ins and participate in this, all volunteers. If kids grow kale, kids eat kale. <laughs> if they grow tomatoes, they eat tomatoes. But when, but when none of this is, is, is presented to them, if they're not shown how food affects the mind and the body, they blindly eat whatever the hell you put in front of them. I, I, I see young people, and um, they want to work, but they're in this thing where they're caught up. I see kids of color, and, and they just on this track that's designed for them um, that leads them to nowhere. So with, with gardening, I see an opportunity where we can train these kids to, to, to take over their communities, to, to have a sustainable life. And, and, and when we do this, who knows? We might, have, we might produce the next George, George Washington Carver. But if we don't change the composition of the soil, we will never do this. Now, this is, this is one of my plans. This is what I want to do. I want to plant a whole block of gardens. It was just where people can share in the food in the same block. I, wa I want to take shipping containers and turn them into healthy cafes. And, and now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about no free shit, because 
free is not sustainable. The funny thing about sustainability, you have to sustain it. What I'm talking about is putting people to work and getting, and, and getting kids off the street and letting them know the joy, the pride, and the honor in growing your own food. Opening farmer's markets. So, so what I want to do here, I, we got to make this sexy. So I want us all to become evolutionary, renegades, gangsters, gangster gardeners. We got to change, of a, we got to flip the script on what a gangster is. If you ain't a gardener, you ain't gangster. Get gangster, with, get gangster with your shovel, okay? And let that be your weapon of choice. So, 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 so basically, if you, if you want to meet with me, you know, um, if you want to meet, don't call me if you want to sit around in, in cushy chairs and have meetings where you talk about doing some shit, where you talk about doing some shit. If you want to meet with me, come to the garden with your shovel so we can plant some shit. Peace. Thank you. An inspiring speaker he is. So in preparing for this service, I thought of um, going back and talking about that there are food deserts here in Tulsa. And mere miles from South Tulsa, there are food deserts. And how our city has organized in that way. Or I could talk about systemic oppression. And then I backed up and I thought maybe I could present resources here like I did last year of how we can measure our own footprint and our own um, take on, on the earth. And then I thought instead of Earth Day being an opportunity for more and more resources to be presented to us, what if it was a space for reflection? Since last year, who has taken the quiz of how big your earth footprint was? You don't have to raise your hand, it's fine. Um, who has applied it to their life and who has shifted something in their regular routine in the last year that has been more socially, ecologically conscious. Now, I don't want to put individuals on the spot, but I do want to put this community on the spot together. Solidarity. So the question is, what environmentally more sustainable transition have we made as a church since last year's Earth Day celebration? What habit have we shifted towards more justice, community, and love? Where have we aligned our passion as a green sanctuary with our continued actions, inspiration, and community? Honestly, like if anyone can think of something that we've done as a community, that would be super rad. Now would be the time. Yes? We sponsored a fall break nature camp and brought accessibility um, for the recording I'll say it into the mic there was a fall nature camp and children came up onto the hill and were able to be on the trails all right if we have nothing else to share I have a challenge no I have an invitation first that you continue this Earth Day tradition I am the intern here for only one more month so do what you want with it next year. But I do encourage you to do it. Second, that this service to have a meaningful space and a worshipful contemplation for refueling and an opportunity to bring to the altar of humanity what you have yielded in this year's efforts. The service of the fruit you have labored for, the fruits of seeds sown from the year before, have a plan in place and follow it through. Move to sustainable energy. Switch all of our disposable plasticware to biodegradable products. Find the creative possibility like Mandela and plant a garden with what you have, who you are, and who we are. We can do this. This could be the practice. 
Do it by filling yourself so generously that you can serve from your soft sir. Know you are a gift and treat yourself as one and be in relationship to the earth in this way. May it be so. body or spirit, we will sing him answering the call of love. James Donovan. I serve on the Church Board of Trustees. I want to very quickly mention some things that are coming up. I want to draw your attention to the highlights from the Hill. It's inserted in your order of service. Um, first of all, I, I hope you'll get to meet our new Director of Religious Education, Tenille Wilson. Some of us know her from her many years working with the children and youth at All Souls. So, walk downstairs and meet her today. Uh, next Saturday at 9 a.m., show up at church. <coughs> Be prepared to work. We're going to work on the grounds. We're going to clean up the cabin. We're going to hopefully clean the carpet in here. So show up 9 a.m., you know, stay as long as you can. Probably will be, a lot of us will be out of here by noon. On May 4th, Saturday, that's just 13 days from now, 
We're going to have our annual barbecue. Rick Eagleton's going to do his smoked meats extravaganza. 20 bucks. You can show up 4 o'clock on the 4th, drink some beer, eat some meat, have some fun. Uh, I want to also mention that, well, you know, I, I've been thinking, I, I don't do this often enough. So I want to, you know, this is such a great day, and it's Earth Day and Easter. Walk around the grounds for a few minutes. Some of you maybe, you forget to do that sometimes, like I do. We have good trails over here, trails by the cabin. Um, and speaking of hiking, I, some friends of mine and I, we're going to meet at Turkey Mountain today to hike at 4 o'clock, and you're welcome to join us. We'll be meeting near the Bighorn Sheep statue there near the main parking lot. And finally, I want to uh, mention one more thing. We have, how many of you are on Facebook on a sort of regular basis? Quite a few of you. We have uh, a page on there, Hope Church Friends. I hope you'll consider using that if you need someone to go to a movie with you or you know, you want a, somebody to accompany you to the symphony or there's some event happening in town, I hope you'll put that on there. That's what I've been doing, but I notice that I'm one of the few people who's really using it as I think it's intended. And I think that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, James. We will say um, how we extinguish our chalice together. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. May you remember you are dearly, deeply, wholly beloved, and go out from here and be loved.